All right, let's get into today's message. We got about 10, we got 15 minutes left. And do you have an outline? Is there anyone that does not have an outline? You really won't be able to follow as well if you don't have an outline. Who doesn't have an outline? Can she, there's hands up. Can we get some outlines and get them to these people? Now, just to put, just, uh, to put this back on yourself, if you've been coming here more than once, like if this is your second or third time, you should know that they have a bulletin in the lobby when you come in. And there's people always there to give out the bulletins, and they have the outlines, the teachings. And you, your most important thing when you come into this sanctuary is to get one of those. And no one else, no one should have to tell you that anymore. Always get a bulletin when you go through the sanctuary. All you have to say, if like today was Sydney and Melody, Sydney, may I have a bulletin? I come up from the basement. Uh, after the 8.30 prayer meeting, on the, going on 9.30, and I always say to Noel or whoever is doing the, John Bradbury, Lourdes, who, Melody, who's ever doing the greeting that day, may I have a bulletin? And they've never said no. No, the, and they've never even said, that'll be $5. <laughs> Although now that I said that, someone's going to say that as a joke. <laughs> All right, so it really does help you if you follow the outline. Now, does everyone have one? So if you were part of the membership class, you know that this is similar to what I shared at the, at the new members meeting. And if you went to the Bible studies that I used to teach at Wright State a few years ago, you'll realize that we did several weeks on these, these subjects. But I'm calling this Components of All Biblical Covenants. I'm not going to go back and read the, ver the verses Exodus 19, 1 through 9, but that Exodus 19, 1 through 9 is the basis of what we call the Mosaic Covenant, which is the was it's what we mean by the old covenant. Now the old covenant includes all the books of the Old Testament, thirty-nine books, from Genesis to Malachi. But they are foundationally expressed in Exodus nineteen and twenty. Chapters Exodus chapter nineteen and twenty, and chapter twenty is the giving of the Ten Commandments also known as the Law or the Decalogue. And chapter 19 is some stuff you need to know why the law is important and why it comes at that point. All right. Now, at the, uh, the meeting for new members, I got through this, this uh, part uh, where it says, last time, eight major biblical covenants. There are eight major biblical covenants. And biblical covenants are based on a thing that was very common in the ancient Middle East called Susandry covenants. And Susandry covenants were for, like when Babylon conquered a certain people, uh, they would give them a sovereignty covenant. And because you were conquered, 
you were signing, whether you liked it or not. <laughs> they gave you this covenant, and, it, uh, and we're going to talk about the components of those kind of covenants on the backside of the page today and however many weeks it takes me because I'm going to usually quit around 10 till to 5 till so that, and uh, wherever I, however far I get. So if we get one or two points done, I'll talk. And uh, basically what I have offered to Josiah and to Stephen, any week they want a break, I'll, I'll teach. And I already have the outline done. So um, that's what we're doing. Josiah wanted to work harder. on, And uh, he wants to give us a message about Pentecost and next week's Pentecost. So he figured it would be better to do it next week. So you get me today instead. And you get Susandry covenants. Susandry covenants were imposed by a lord or a lord nation, a conquering nation like Egypt was the most powerful nation in the early part of the Old Testament. As time goes on, there were powers in the, what is today Iran, Iraq, and Lebanon. And those included Babylon and the Medes and eventually the Persians. And you read about them as you read the Old Testament. And there were times when God favored Israel because of an obedient leader, especially in the time of David and in the time of Solomon, where Israel was as strong or stronger than those other nations, Egypt, Babylon, the Medes, the Persians, etc. And most of the time, God's people were unfaithful. And just like in your personal life, when you're unfaithful, you lose strength spiritually and so forth. So if you're trying to lose weight, overcome drugs, uh, get more knowledgeable, whatever, whatever God has called you to and put into your heart, uh, as you, if you're unfaithful, and if you enter into sin and so forth, you cut yourself off from the source of your power and your strength, at least temporarily. That's what confession of sins, and that's why going to a brother to confess your sins and get some prayer can be very helpful because you've got to kind of get restarted. Oops, I fell off my bike. If you fall off your bike, that doesn't mean God didn't want you to ride a bike, and you just, oh, well, I, fell, I tried riding a bike, and I fell off. That's kind of how a lot of people think of the Christian life. <laughs> you know, like, but guess what? If you fall off the bike, get up and ride the bike again. And eventually, by God's grace, you won't fall off the bike as much. <laughs> and you won't do as stupid things like I, once when I was riding my bike when I was maybe eight or nine years old, I wasn't paying attention to where I was going, and I drove right into the back of a car. <laughs> You see that on movies sometimes and stuff, but I lived it. Who left that car? <laughs> just, just like, we're, we're confessing true sins. Just, I was like, I did that too. <laughs> um, probably a lot of people have. Now, I, uh, I just want to make a couple things, uh, remind us of a couple things about the last time with the eight major covenants. I'm not going to get very far on the next page yet today. Uh, we, we mentioned Susan Tree covenants. The second covenant is called the covenant of Adam, sometimes called the covenant of dominion or the creation covenant. 
And uh, some of its meat is in Genesis 1, 26 through 28. And when you're reading about covenant, in, in, uh, especially in Protestant theologians, liberal or conservative, you, they will call that covenant a covenant of works. And when I hear that or read that, I go, oh, Elizabeth, I'm coming home. You know, there's no covenant of works ever. Because guess what? You could never do the works. You would fail. You probably wouldn't be able to finish reading it before you failed. And so God's covenant with Adam was a covenant of grace. God created Adam. That was grace. He didn't deserve to be created, did he? God, did he deserve to have God give him a wonderful provision like Eve and the Garden of Eden? No, God put grace upon grace upon grace. Now, as we're going to see on the, as we get into this components, I, I wish I could just do this as a day-long seminar. I'm, I've actually decided, that I've narrowed down what book I'm going to start writing to two, two possibilities, and this is the leading one right now. Um, it, it's all grace. And every covenant has stipulations. It has laws, ethics. Thou shalt not kill. If you go over to the Gray's house, you'll hear John or Leah say to Daniel, Thou shalt not beat up David. <laughs> there, are, there are stipulations to the covenant. <laughs> and there is always grace provided to obey. You never have to beat your brother up. Make sure you tell your boys that. <laughs> and I was probably uh, 16 or 17 before I realized that when my big brothers beat me up, they never beat me up as much as they could have. They, al they always actually took it easy on me. That's why one of the uh, saddest experiences for me, when I was 17, I, w I, had, I came to Christ. I gained 30 or 40 pounds of muscle in a few months, and, uh, and I was really good in sports all of a sudden and I had confidence that I never had before. And, and I'm wrestling my brother, and I realized he didn't have a chance anymore. And I actually got off of him and left the room so he wouldn't see me cry. Because I didn't want to humiliate him. There was there had been a change. And never again was he gonna be able to compete with me in 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 academics, all kind of things. And that was a tough day. So the Adamic covenant is a grace covenant. Don't forget that. Because no one else will have say that. I don't, I don't know another Christian who's saying that anywhere. I'm looking for somebody. Looking for love in all the wrong places. I'm looking for grace in all the wrong covenants. Uh, 
lastly is the marriage covenant. And I just want to emphasize that the marriage covenant is always a three-way covenant. A cord of three stands is not torn asunder. It wasn't Byron's idea to get married. It was God's idea. Daniel Williams didn't think, figure out he should get married to Christiana. God knew that before they ever knew each other. The marriage covenant is God's covenant. And you didn't marry who you married by accident or by making a mistake. It was God's sovereign hand in your life. And if you, you don't get that well-founded, you won't be able to work through troubles. And if you know what marriage is, marriage has troubles. That's why all, you know, all the Christians we knew in the old days used to always talk about a joke that Catherine would be saved by works. <laughs> because to be married to me must... Uh, never mind. Now, lastly, look at the note at the bottom of the page one. Uh, this is so important. Ultimately, all, God, all covenants in the Bible, God himself fulfills the covenant. Because ultimately, all covenants in the Bible, Josiah, Daniel, and Byron blow it. And the rest of us too. Right? So always God fulfills the terms of the covenant for both parties. You are saved by grace, and there's nothing you can do about that. Thank the Lord. Because if he was going to base it on anything else but his sovereign choice and his redemption in Christ, you'd be dead by now already. You would have lasted less than a day in your first in your Christian life before God killed you. Now, turn over to the next page. I wished I could have fit that on the front page, but this is a verse to demonstrate what we just said in the note. In Genesis 22:8, I'm reading this in the complete Jewish Bible because unfortunately most uh, Protestant and Catholic Bibles don't really get this verse the way the Jewish Bibles do. And Abraham I'll just uh, said, my son, God will provide himself. Notice it doesn't say God himself will provide. God will provide himself the lamb. Now, hopefully you know the context of Genesis 22 is when Abraham and Isaac are going up on the Mount Moriah, and, they, and uh, Isaac said, where's the sacrifice? <laughs> and Abraham said, <laughs> But as Hebrews brings out, Abraham had faith. And God, Abraham is saying, God himself will be the sacrifice. And that's the basis of the whole Bible. That's the most important idea in the whole Bible, and almost all Protestant and Catholic Bibles get it wrong.
and translate it badly because they don't understand the Bible. God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering, so they went, both of them together. Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering, my son. That's the complete Jewish Bible. The first one was the Orthodox Jewish Bible. My, my bad there. And so go, look back at the point on the other page. God himself ultimately fulfills all covenants. I, I know so many evangelicals who, who think, I hope I can stay faithful to the end. If you've received Christ biblically, you've traded that. God himself will see you to be faithful to the end. If it was, you know, going to be Bradbury's bare knuckles, even he's probably the strongest guy in our church, or, or Robbie or one of those guys, it would be, they couldn't hold on for more than two minutes. God himself will, he has come to save you. Zephaniah, I love that. He has come to save you. And guess what? He's going to complete the mission. Because actually, we, we are too screwed up because we live in this time-space continuum thing. We just don't get it. But the, the one who's saving you said, it is finished. It is finished. Abigail's sins in the past, the one she's committed today, the one she'll commit this afternoon, and the one she'll commit seven years from now are already taken care of. Even though she doesn't even know what they are yet. <laughs> And you'll find that even some of your sin struggles are going to be different than you thought. I thought if I could just get out of drugs. Actually, God did that powerfully and very, very completely. And then I thought, well, if I could, you know, be more holy sexually or whatever. I never thought I was going to battle with what I ate and my weight and so forth. I weighed 113 pounds when I got saved. I could eat more than, you know, five guys and gain like one pound. I have a very high metabolism. If you go to tell me that that would become like one of my most significant sin battles, I wouldn't have been able to guess that at the age of 17 when he first called me. I probably, uh, I probably was starting to get it. You know, when I was 25, I lost 20 pounds for our wedding. I went down from 180 to 160, six feet tall. Uh, by the age of 27, I was starting to creep up to 180 more regularly. Now, I, if I ever got back down to 200, you know, I did on a long fast a few, maybe 20 years ago. If I ever got back down to 200, I'd be like dancing. I might break something. But you know what? It doesn't matter. God himself, the lamb. You know, yeah, you, you, you know, the only reason to do better on your diet or your exercise or your nutrition and stuff is stewardship. 
and to serve God longer and more faith fruitfully and so forth. But it's finished. Well, we're past the time, so we didn't get started on the back page. The uh, 12 components, but I just uh, guarantee you they're going to be very good. Very good. I was actually reworking on these a little bit with Stephen uh, standing there waiting on me to I was like, let me just tweak this a little bit. And as I thought about certain scriptures and stuff, I broke down crying several times, especially when I saw some components that I hadn't seen before. Like, when you start studying, no one, there's a guy named Ray Sutton. He's a friend of Wayne McNamara's. Ray Sutton is the head bishop in the Reformed Episcopal Church that Wayne's church is part of that denomination. And before he was part of that church, back when he was with the, what they called the Reconstructionist guys in the 70s, he wrote a book about covenant that Sam, when Sam Chen Poon was teaching on covenant, he used Ray Sutton's book quite a bit and mentioned Ray Sutton by name. He, he, I don't know if anybody remembers that, but he did. And he, uh, Ray Sutton identifies six components of co- biblical covenants. And he has the most components of biblical covenants of any Bible teacher out there. So, and believe me, I'm not making up a single thing or adding a single thing when I tell you there's 12 components of all biblical covenants. It's just that we live in a culture that that doesn't understand covenant. You know, the reason there's this many forms when you close on a house... Were there a lot of place, things to sign? You just closed on the house a week or two ago, right, Matt? W- weren't there a lot of pages, 30 or 40? Because our culture, our, we are covenant breakers. We should be able to say, yeah, I want the house, shake hands, here's uh, five bucks earnest money. <laughs> but we, we can't do that as a culture anymore. Because we don't get covenant. The, the righteous man swears to his own hurt and does not alter it. In other words, sometimes you promise somebody something and it wasn't the best decision. And you should still be seeing it through. Because you gave your word. And your word is all you really have. That's the essence of who you are before God. Well, I'm over by eight minutes. Hopefully it was worth it. Uh, That's all introductory to uh, next time I talk about the 12 components of biblical covenants. You you know, if, if you remember, there was, we have like a book of the year every year. And five or six years ago, we used uh, Youngblood's book uh, called The Heart of the Old Testament. If you haven't read that, uh, it, he has uh, nine chapters where he basically identifies a major theme of the Old Testament in each chapter, like redemption, etc., creation. And guess what? He has two chapters on covenant because creation is in second place, covenant is in first place, 
If you want to understand God, understand covenant. Amen.